Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this time that we come to now to open up your word. Lord, we confess today that we need to hear your voice. We need you to, to speak to us. Through the power of your word and the power of your spirit, speak to our hearts and transform our lives. Lord, today let us see the glory of your grace so that we would never boast in anything within us, but that we would boast only in you and what you have done for us. Bless us now, Lord, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Looking at verses 4 through 9 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Looking at verses 4 through 9. And we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be thankful for. We can be thankful for our families. How great it is to have a wonderful, loving family around us. We can be thankful for the freedoms that we have here in the United States. Uh, we can be thankful for uh, our health, if we have good health. We've got so much to be thankful for. The greatest thing to be thankful for is God's grace. Oh, what a wonderful gift we have in God's amazing, unmatchless grace. His grace is wonderful, and much more so His saving grace. His grace that brings us out of hell and into His kingdom. We are thankful for God's saving grace. And that's today as we look at this passage in 1 Corinthians, that's the whole point. That's the whole point of this. We're looking at this passage, and this is... Paul's introduction to this letter and he stops for a moment here in this introduction and he gives thanks to God for his saving grace so today as we look at this I, I want that for us that we just give thanks for God's saving grace this morning and as we look at this we're going to see three facets of God's saving grace that deserves our thanksgiving Three facets of God's grace that deserves our thanksgiving. So I pray that we would see that today and we would just rejoice in the Lord's amazing grace. As we began to, to look at this letter last week, just we are in the introduction, just the introduction of the letter. He's not gotten into any of the, the, the meat yet. This is just the intro to this letter. And part of the introduction here is a customary uh, thanksgiving. This was customary in letters of Paul's day. But Paul, as he gives this thanks, this, this thanksgiving in this letter, he is still using it to, to bring out some of the issues that are inflicting this church. He's already starting to address those. We saw that even last week as we began to uh, dive into this letter. Paul, in his introductory remarks, he's addressing issues. We saw last week that he, he raised three key themes, authority, holiness, and unity. And now he, again, in this Thanksgiving, he's addressing an issue. He's addressing an issue. The, the people of Corinth, they are uh, boasting in themselves. 
Uh, they're seeing the salvation that God is working in them, and we're going to talk about this as we go through this, but they're boasting in their abilities and what they are doing and have done. But Paul in this, he calls them back from that. And, it, and basically what he's kind of getting at in this Thanksgiving is you really have nothing to boast about because anything that you are doing, have done, has been done to you, it's all about God's grace. It's all about God's grace. So Paul calls the, the church at Corinth, as he calls us, to give thanks for God's amazing grace. So if you found your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4-9, through 9, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So as we begin to look at this and consider these three facets of grace, the, the, first, uh, the first facet that we see here is that uh, we should give thanks for God's past grace. We should give thanks for, for God's past grace. And we see that in the first couple of lines here. Uh, look again at verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Notice the past tense there. The grace that was given you in Christ Jesus. As we think about God's grace that was given to us in Christ Jesus, Paul, of course, is talking about that moment of faith. That moment when these Christians began to trust in Jesus Christ, they were lost. They were pursuing the things of this world, but then Paul came with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He preached the gospel, and the hearts of, of the people were turned to God. God opened their eyes, opened their ears to hear the gospel so that they could receive it. And he says, thank God for God's grace when he revealed Christ to you. Thank God for his grace. Now let's think about that word grace for a moment. What does the grace mean? It is God's unmerited favor. It is God's unmerited favor. The Corinthian people did nothing to earn God's grace. Just like you can do nothing to earn God's grace. Let me tell you, dear Christian, you did not, God didn't come to you and, and, and choose you and, and save you because of who you were. 
It, it wasn't because he, he saw something spectacular in you. God's grace is unmerited. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were a sinner. You were unworthy of God's grace. But God loves you. And He set His grace upon you anyway. Despite who you are. Despite what you have done to His name and chasing after the things of this world. God loved you and He saved you. His grace is unmerited. His grace is unmerited. But also notice this, that His grace is confirmed. His grace is confirmed. Uh, look again at verse 4. I give thanks to you. Uh, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge. Uh, God's grace brought an enrichment to the people in the church. Now, particularly Paul is talking about here uh, the, the enrichment of the Holy Spirit. As, as they came to faith, God moved in, right? The Holy Spirit moved in, and their lives were enriched. That's why he says, in all speech and in all knowledge. Now, Paul is getting at an issue that is working there in the church. The speech and knowledge he has in mind here are particularly uh, spiritual gifts, that the, the, the church at Corinth are struggling with. As we get in Corinthians chapter 12, uh, we'll see that. They're struggling with especially the gift of spiritual speech, the gifts of tongues, and prophecy, the gift of spiritual knowledge. They're struggling with this. They're boasting in these gifts. They're saying, hey, look at me. I'm speaking in tongues. Oh, look at me. I've got a word from God. And they're boasting in this. But Paul, you know, this is the great thing about Paul. He doesn't take their abuse of the gifts and, and say, well, we need to kind of hide that, that gift away. Y'all need to quit Y'all need to quit worrying about the tongues. You need to quit worrying about prophecy. You need to quit worrying about these things. Uh, and and y'all need to think about other things. We as Christians, a lot of times we kind of take things that people abuse and we want to kind of sweep them under the rug or hide them behind something, right? Hide them behind the couch or whatever. But Paul doesn't do that. He's still giving praise to God. Thank God for the gifts, Thank God for his enrichment in your life. You're abusing them. Your abuse of those gifts doesn't nullify the gifts. It doesn't discredit the gifts. We praise God for his enrichment because his enrichment is what confirms our faith. Notice how he goes on there. He says that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech, all spiritual speech, and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. As the testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. You see, it's the spiritual gifts that we, that we obtain, whether, you know, whatever those be whether it's the gift of evangelism or, or the gift of teaching or, or whatever it is, those gifts begin to, we begin to see the Holy Spirit working in us, changing us, 
confirming God's work in us. You know, the day that you receive Christ in your life, I bet you could, you, you may not, I can't mark the exact date, but I know the time. I can remember those moments when I surrendered my life to Christ because there was a change in my life at that moment. There was a change. There was something that took place. There was a, a, a change of, of my heart's desires for Christ. When we come to faith, there's something that happens. Now, for some people, it's more drastic, of course. You have someone who's lived their life in complete rebellion against God. They, they maybe uh, been addicted to drugs or, or dove into all kinds of sinfulness. And, and then when they come to faith, there's like this immediate transformation that's a turning away from that. And, and there's this radical change, right? And so there's that moment that, that can be marked. Yes, I, it's confirmed. Faith was confirmed because I no longer desired those things now my heart's turned towards God. For others, for many of us, we're raised in church. We grew up in church. We knew right and wrong. We knew we, we grew up under the law, as you might would say. We grew up understanding uh, the, the information about Jesus. In my own life, I can remember as about a 10, 11-year-old boy, I remembered walking the aisle and making a profession of faith because I, I knew all the stuff. Right? I knew all the stuff. I knew all the answers to the, the questions. And so I said, hey, why not go get baptized and just make this thing official? And so I did that. But then it was a, just a few years later that God began to work on my heart. He began to convict me of my sin. And, and it was at that moment that I said, Lord God, if I die, I might go to hell. I need you. And in that moment, God confirmed in me, you're mine. I'm giving my grace to you. I'm making a difference in your life. There wasn't a radical transformation in my life because I've been raised in the Christian home. I've been walking kind of that kind of path. But God confirmed in me his saving grace. Because when God saves you, He moves in. The Spirit comes into your heart. He comes into your life. And He begins to change you from the inside out. He changes your desires. He changes your perspective on life. No longer do you desire those things that that the world loves and, and holds so dear, but now your heart is for the Lord. There's a confirmation that takes place. I remember just, uh, well, actually just, just past week, a friend of mine was, was talking about uh, an encounter that he had with a, a young lady. He had two different encounters with this lady. The first encounter was before she came to know Christ, before she was saved. And he said, man, I can remember back in that first encounter, she was, just, she was just mean. She was a hateful woman, and she was just uh, vile. Her language was vile. Her language was hateful and, and, and vengeful. He said, you know what? I ran into this lady again not just, just the other day, 
And when she walked in the room, I could tell there was something different about her. She just had a, a different countenance about her. Something had changed. And, and as I began to talk with her, I found out she came to, to Christ. She came to faith in Jesus Christ. And her, her language changed. No longer was it vile and marked by hatred and anger and all of those things, but it was marked by grace. There was transformation that had taken place. And that's the way it is for any believer. Dear friend, let me ask you today, are you thankful for God's past grace in your life? Can you reflect back on, on that time when you, you were transformed in that moment? When the Holy Spirit moved in and began to change you from within to be like Christ? Can you give thanks for that today? Oh, give thanks. Give thanks for God's past grace so we give thanks for God's past grace but then second we give thanks for God's present grace we give thanks for God's present grace notice verse 7 there verse 7 says so that you are not lacking notice the the shift in tense here so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul shifts now from past tense to present tense, so that you are now not lacking in any gift. Now, notice that word gift there. That word gift, uh, Paul uses this word here. It's the, the Greek word charisma. Uh, it's charisma, yes, yeah, where we get our word for charisma, right? But Paul uses it in a different way. Paul typically uses this word in relation to spiritual gifts. And that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about spiritual gifts so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. You know, that's the wonder of, of God's grace for Christians this side of Christ is that he gives us gifts. He gives us spiritual gifts. As I say, the Spirit moves in and he begins to change us. He begins to transform us from within. He begins to, to change us to be more like Jesus. And he gives us these spiritual gifts not so that we can... Uh, not so that we can kind of keep them to ourselves, right? He gives us those gifts so that we can bring them into the church. Not to brag about, not to say, hey, look at me. And, uh, aren't I so gifted? Look what God's done to me. No, he, he gives them so that we can bring them in the church and use them so that we build one another up in, in faith. I'm thankful that God has given me the gift of preaching because I get to invest in you week after week and, and, and teach you God's Word. And, and my prayer is, my hope is, that as I'm preaching, as I'm teaching God's Word, God is using that gift to grow you. I pray that when, when I leave here, whenever God takes me away from here or, or when He takes you from here, whatever the case may be, that you are mature, more mature in your faith because of of the gift God has given me. I also pray that you would use your gift, whatever that gift is, invested in the church so that God uses your gift 
to mature me because I need to mature too. See, God gives us these gifts, these charismas, charismatases. He, he gives us these spiritual gifts for our sanctification. See, God's grace is sanctifying grace. God's grace is sanctifying. It's sanctifying grace. We should look at our lives and see our, our lives changed. Reflect back on your, your life as a Christian. Can you look back from the, the point when you became a Christian, became, when, you, when you began to believe in Jesus? And now, can you see a difference? Whether it's been 10 weeks or 10 years, can you see some change, some difference in your life? Is God sanctifying you? Is He making you holy? Making you more like Christ? Because that's, he's, he's, that's what his purpose in saving you. He wants to make you like Christ. It won't all come at once. It won't all come at once. He's working from the inside out, so he begins by changing our wants and our desires. And it takes some time to kind of get those to, to work out in our lives. And so you see young Christians, they stumble around, right? Just like little infants, they stumble around. They, they slip and fall over uh, the least little things. They trip over their own feet all the time. And as mature Christians, we, we shouldn't hold that against the younger Christian. Instead, we should help them up, pick them up, and help them get back up so that they can grow and walk and Continue in their walk with the Lord. But God's grace is sanctifying. It changes us. It will change us. If it's not changing us, something's wrong. If God is not working in your life, is he, if he is not transforming you, if you're not becoming more like Jesus, dear friends, something is wrong. So God's grace is sanctifying but we also see here that God's grace is expectant. God's grace is expectant. Notice how he says there, uh, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a hope in our faith, right? We're, we're not just working to, to be better people here. We're, we're, we're living because we're living for a future hope, for a future kingdom. For our future life to come. Christians are always to be looking to the future. Looking to eternity. Not getting trapped up and wrapped up in, in the things of this world. But keeping our eye on God's kingdom to come. Paul is a great example of this. He's always keeping an eye on the kingdom to come. In Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 he, speaking of the resurrection, Paul says this. He says, not that I have already obtained this, not that I've already obtained the resurrection, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing that I do, right? Not that I've made, I'm not perfect. I'm still a sinner, 
I haven't made it my own. It's not there yet, but one thing that I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm not perfect. I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. I'm reaching for glory. I'm reaching for glory. I'm living for eternity. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, as Paul is at the end of his life, he says to Timothy, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Oh, Paul lived for the kingdom of God. Get what's behind me. Forget the world and all that's there. I'm pressing on to the kingdom. I'm reaching for glory. Oh, that's how God's grace works in us. That's how God's grace works in us. It, it, it changes our wants. No, we're not living for this world anymore, but we're living for glory. We're living for His kingdom. That's what makes a Christian funeral so sweet, isn't it? There is sorrow because we're saying, bidding a friend goodbye, but at the same time, there's that rejoicing because we're living for the kingdom. And we're going to see that loved one again in the kingdom. God's grace is expectant as it awaits God's kingdom. Dear Christian, God has, has chosen you for his team. As Paul talked about the kind of the, the race mentality there, God has chosen you for his team. And and like an expert trainer, he is preparing you. He is training you in this world to make you like Jesus Christ. He's training you, transforming you to become like Jesus. All he asks you to do is work along with him. Work along with him. Pursue the path that he has set you on. Live for Jesus. Give thanks today, dear Christian, for God's present grace working in your life. Reflect back on your life as a Christian. Do you see progress? Do you see progress? Are you changed? Are you some different from the day you came to faith in Jesus Christ and now? Are you a little bit more like Him? Do you see the progress and give thanks? If you can't see progress, if there's no change in your life, dear friend, you have a problem. You have a problem. And you need to fix that problem today. So we give thanks for God's past grace, His present grace, and I bet you can guess this the last one 
We give thanks for God's future grace. We give thanks for God's future grace. Notice there, verse 8. Who will, he's talking about God, God who will sustain you to the end. He will sustain you. Boy, isn't this a wonderful truth that God's grace will sustain us. It will sustain us. It will get us there. It will get us across the finish line. We will persevere in the faith when God saves us, when He changes us, when He moves into our hearts, when He transforms us, when He brings us to Christ. He will sustain us in our faith. We will not slip away. We will not slip away. When we are His, we're all His. We're all His. We belong to Him. Philippians 1 6, Paul says, I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will do it, he will accomplish it. See, that's the end goal to make us perfectly like Jesus, to make us perfect in holiness. And God's grace says, I'm going to get you across the finish line. I will complete the work that I began in you, I will do it. Oh my goodness, sometimes in this life we get to wondering, don't we? Oh, I know I do. I begin to think, oh Lord, how can you love me? How can you save me? A sinner like me, how can you do it, God? But he promises, I will sustain you. Despite your failures, despite your slip-ups, despite your stumblings around I will sustain you. I will complete my work in you. Dear Christian, maybe you are struggling with some things in your life right now. I want you to hold on to the promise. God says, I will sustain you. I will do it. It's not about you and your ability. It's nothing about you. You don't save yourself. It's all God. He began the work in you. When you came to faith, He began the work in you. And He will finish the work in you. God's grace is sustaining. But also, God's grace will justify. God's grace will justify who God who will sustain you to the end. Guiltless. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will remain guiltless. That is, He will justify us. He will make us righteous so that when we stand before the judge of all judges, we'll not hear the guilty verdict. But instead of the guilty verdict that we deserve, the, the hammer will come down justified. Justified. Righteous. Because He won't see us, He'll see His Son, Jesus Christ. He will see us through Him. We will be justified before Him. We will stand innocent before God. Romans 3.23 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the bad news. We're all guilty. We're all condemned. But... 
We are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We stand guilty. We stand guilty before God on our own merits. But God sent His Son Jesus Christ to to live a righteous life in our place for us. And to die for our guilt on Calvary's cross. So that when we stand before God on the day of the Lord, on that day of judgment, two verdicts will be handed out to those who fail to trust in Jesus. He will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. But for those who are in Jesus Christ, He will say, enter my rest. You who are righteous, in Christ, enter my rest. Oh, God's grace justifies us in Jesus, and it will justify us on that day of judgment. Oh, dear friend, have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Are you justified in Him? Give thanks for God's future grace. Grace that will will lead you into God's eternal rest. It will happen if you've trusted in Jesus. So we give thanks for God's past grace, His present grace, and His future grace. And we can give thanks today because of God's faithful grace. Because of God's faithful grace. Notice how Paul ends the, the thanksgiving here. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You know, that's why we can give thanks for God's past grace, present grace, and future grace, because God is faithful. Unlike we humans who have a tendency to to lie or not fulfill our promises, God always fulfills His is never changing when God promises something it's done it is done there's no changing it we can praise God because of his faithful grace God is faithful to complete what he has set out to do give thanks today for God's saving grace dear friend now I want to ask you to bow your head I want everybody to close your eyes. I want you to listen to me, dear friend. I want you to listen really good. I want you to reflect back over your life right now. And I want you to think back on the day of your salvation. I want you to ask yourself this question. Was there change in your life? Was there change in your life? Did something change in you? Was grace confirmed in you in that moment? Well, then right now, give thanks for God's past grace in your life. Praise Him. Give Him thanks right there, right now. Thank you, Lord God, for saving my soul. Thank you for coming into my life. Consider your life as a Christian. Surely you've, you've had your ups and downs, all of us do. 
We've had those moments where we slip back into sin. But I want you to ask yourself this question. Has, has there been progress in your Christian life? Can you say that you are more like Christ today than you were before you came to faith in Him? Can you say that for sure? Can you see God working in your life? Can you see the Spirit's presence in your life changing you to be like Jesus? You can see that in your life. Thank God. Praise Him today for His present grace, for what He is doing in your life right now. Praise Him. Give Him thanks. Lord God, thank You. Thank You for working in me. For working in me, confirming Your work in my life, changing me and making me like Jesus. Thank You, God for your present grace. And as you look to the future, do you long for the day when Christ will return? Do you look forward to living in His kingdom? Longing for the day when His work will be completed in you? And you will be like Him because you will see Him then thank God right now for His future grace. For what He will accomplish on the day of the Lord. Oh, thank You, Lord God. Thank You, God, for the promise that You have given us and the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Oh, Lord, we look forward to that day. And we thank You that we don't mourn like others do. We thank You that we don't live for the temporal things that other people live for. We thank You that we have a future hope in Christ Jesus our Lord. But now, if looking back over your life, you see no change, if there's no assurance of God's present work in your life, if there's, no un, if there's uncertainty about what lies ahead for you on the day of the Lord, then dear friend, you have no, no hope. You have not experienced the grace of God. Today, God's grace is extended to you. He has drawn you here to hear the Gospel. And He's sitting before you and His hand is out. He says, here's the gift. If you will only receive it. If you look at your life and you examine your life and you see God's grace has not been there, then today trust in the Lord. Trust in Christ. Give yourself to Him. God's saying to you, here it is. His hand is extended. Will you receive it? Will you trust in Jesus today? Oh, Father, certainly there are those today who upon examination of their life 
they see the absence of your presence. Oh, but Lord, you have drawn them here for a purpose. Lord, save them. Do the work in their life at this moment. Save their soul. Turn them to Jesus. Let them trust in Christ. Let them have hope of eternity. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.